Hi, thank you all for coming here tonight. Um, my name is Jill D'Alessandro, and I am the costume and textile arts curator here at the Fine Arts Museums. And it's my great honor to um, introduce, um, to uh, present this program today. Um, just a few things. Um, out of respect, um, photography is allowed, but no flash, flash photography. Um, we will be taking questions from the audience, and you can submit your questions either via Twitter or um, email, or we also, or on any of the cards that were handed out to you when you arrived. Um, and the questions will ha happen at the end of the um, program. If you are not planning to tweet um, or email, please turn your cell phone off. Um, so it again is my great honor to have this program, a conversation between Susie Menkes and Jean-Paul Gaultier. Um, I feel very fortunate at the Fine Arts Museums because, in fact, um, Susie Menkes' um, son lives in the Bay Area, and she comes um, frequently to visit her family. And so it's always my sort of f favorite time of, of any program, any exhibition, is when Susie comes and I get to walk through the exhibition with her. And um, um, it's so, so, so learnful, and I just really wanted to kind of share that opportunity with the rest of the Bay Area. Um, one of my favorite, um, during the Yves Saint Laurent exhibition, one of my favorite moments was Susie stopped in her tracks, and she said, um, she goes, this is it. This is what is true of any great artist or any great designer. When they do something, it can be shocking and avant-garde, but then years later we stand and look at it and believe that it has always existed. And I think that is true of Jean-Paul Gaultier's work. And so I know that they have been friends for a very long time. And so it is my honor to introduce both Susie Menkes, um, fashion editor of the International Herald Tribune, and Mr. Jean-Paul Gaultier. Love seat. <laughs> I just want to know, can you hear me? Please shout loudly if you can't. Yes, yes or no? You can hear? No. <laughs> Somebody say no. <laughs> um, Mike, people, can, can I be heard? Shall I start? Okay, good. So before I introduce one of the funniest, wittiest, most amusing and funkiest designers that I know, <laughs> I'd just like to start with something a little bit more serious. You know, in fashion, the reason that people last seems so obvious, perhaps, when you see this exhibition of all its incredible glory and excitement. But at the same time, there were real reasons why designers last. And one of them, when it comes to Jean-Paul Gaultier, is probably what is talked about least. It's the technique, it's the, technique the skill, the handwork, the knowledge. And sometimes it gets buried underneath the fantasies of the clothes. But if you look hard, particularly those of you who are going to go into the exhibition afterwards, if you look on one side to see the incredible punk can-can clothes, wild, exciting, colourful, 
And then if you look at the central aisle that moves round like a fashion show, which is the Parisian part, you will see the extraordinary craftsmanship that can turn a dress into half a jacket and half a skirt, or can make a trench coat, one of Jean-Paul Gaultier's iconic pieces, into something that's a trench coat, but it's also a pair of shorts. These kind of things, they're not tricks. They are works of extraordinary skill. And if you search in the exhibition, you will find the heart of all that. You will see the very early years that Jean-Paul uh, spent when he was learning Paris Couture with Pierre Cardin. And you'll glimpse this young man looking very serious as he fits something to the back of a model. And you will realize that it isn't just by some sort of miracle that these clothes have appeared over the years. There is a really solid basis. The other thing that I want to say is that, you know, there aren't many uh, designers around who've changed the course of history. Because when it comes to fashion, yes, there's lots of things that we see, there are lots of excitements, lots of uh, fralala going on. But we don't often see things that you realize have captured a moment in time. And that is what I think you will find in this exhibition. But I don't want to talk anymore because I, I'm actually someone who believes that you've come to listen to Jean-Paul Gaultier and not to Susie Menkes. <laughs> to mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so Jean-Paul, I, I really wanted to ask you, thinking that we are going through the exhibition from the beginning, the power that you gave women with the sexuality, with the corsets, that actually was very much a reflection of what was going on when you did it. Can you tell us about the, those Madonna corset years? <laughs> uh, I should say that, uh, yes, it's kind of reflection of what was happening and also a reflection of my childhood, which is which has something to see with what was happening around. It means that I have been educated with women. So women were very counting for me, my grandmother and my mother, and they give me and they show me uh, through themselves an example of how women were, you know. It means like, uh, in reality, peop uh, uh, women w that were strong, clever, uh, human, and at the same, same time, sometimes stronger uh, 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 than men, you know. So that I realized very, very quickly that women could be more interesting, more clever, because maybe of the education, maybe because of the fact of... Uh, they, they, they have not to play football uh, uh, to be quiet, you know, and they were more like uh, into things like uh, to, to obtain, to obtain something. They have to be ten times more clever than the men that have everything for themselves already at the base when they are unborn. But all we women know we're ten, ten times more intelligent than yeah. men. We know that yeah, already. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but people don't uh, say it and doesn't, well, I mean like... Uh, uh, and men don't realize it most of the time, <laughs> even if they need, they need, you know. But uh, so that, you know, uh, truly it's uh, uh, give me that uh, I, sh I felt the, the power of the woman. And at the time, you know, when I was adolescent, they were also like the woman's sleeve and that kind of thing. Women which were reacting on taking out their bra and put, him, uh, put it in the fire. You know, fire their bra. So it was like a symbol on sh showing we are as much as the men, and maybe we first try to look like men to see that we are the equal. After became an the step, one uh, that was after that, it was the one that women can be 
as much mature, let's say strong or whatever, than a man, than a man but with the, uh, also the attribute on, uh, uh, of uh, imagery, of uh, seduction, uh, which was exactly what was into it, Madonna. So it well, let, let, let's just, um, so that we can all understand here. So when you saw Madonna in her pointed corset, this wasn't the first time you'd seen women's underwear. You yeah. Had Definitely. You had seen it right from the beginning with your grandmother and the work that she did. Yeah. And also, isn't there a teddy bear somewhere in this story? So, teddy bear was there, definitely. He was there with a pointed cone bra. Why? It's because, you know, my parents didn't want, you know, like because that part of education for a little boy, no, you cannot have a doll and you cannot dress a doll. Is not. You have to have a train. So I didn't get the train. They didn't offer me, I must say. So I was not traumatized by the train and even some little cars, so it's why maybe I don't drive, but uh, come on, they <laughs> offer me like a, a, a teddy bear, and the, that teddy bear, like I couldn't get, uh, put in dress my teddy bear, I put in some conic bras that I did with paper, you know, like newspaper, or of something of a magazine, you know, and with with like pins, I put it, I make that bra, which for me was a little maybe uh, uh, like the silhouette that I saw maybe at the TV because I was looking a lot at TV, they let me see everything on m a lot of movies, you know. And so I tried to reconstitute the body uh, of a woman and I was making live that little teddy bear, you know, as uh, what... How yeah. old were you at this point? I think I was around, I was around, I was around, like, let's say, the teddy bear, I get, got it at uh, three o'clock, but I let him free at that time, <laughs> at three years old. I let him free. And after, uh, I think I was around five that I started to take care about him. First, it was a hair, very important. So I put him hair, but with cord, you know, with a cord that I was putting, and I was putting to him exactly what I was seeing on my grandmother, which means that she was, she had like white hair, so I was putting on uh, that little beer, you know, a little rege color, which was bluish, and I put it, first color was a bluish type. After that, I don't know why, but I say he has to change, so it was more reddish, which for me was a strong color too. And after, I tried to make it black, but that, it, it didn't work, because my, the texture of the painting, that it was painting that I was putting on him, didn't go with it. So I have to destroy, and to start again, first platinum, the color of the straw, and after bluish, and after reddish, and start again. And all the makeup was the makeup of my grandmother. So you can see in the exhibition, the teddy bear, I should say that he's a little nice monster, but it's a little monster, anyway. <laughs> On the, well, it doesn't, after it's maybe why, you know, I have some affinity with air. You know, I love the air. I love to touch the air. I like also, maybe I could have been a, a hairdresser. I think I love that. I hope but you like my hair because all, all the drag queens last night were trying to copy it. <laughs> For the moment, I am not yet a drag queen, but uh, I start in, you know, it's going up. Now, look at the photo of me, very shaped. Now, it's a little going up. So Thank you for the inspiration. <laughs>
<laughs> so for all that we're joking about the corsets, as you say, they had a message. It was not showing women uh, in their underclothes for sexual reasons. It was to show that they were strong women, and certainly Madonna absolutely personified that. Definitely. But what is interesting, and, and we see this in the exhibition, was that actually Madonna in 1990, I think it was, the Blonde Ambition Tour, yeah, yes? Yeah. But this wasn't the first time you'd done these conical bras. There, there's no. a link with Africa. Did I get that right? Uh, I didn't get the thing about so, Africa. Well, I thought that when we see Tamel wearing the... Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that one, 85. Early, 85. But the first uh, uh, corset dress I did, it was in a collection that was, at that time, you know, the collection were big. So there was like three inspirations, like Querelle de Brest, uh, uh, also Dadaïsme, Dadaïsme, which was mix, mix of décolleté, you know, and the lingerie. So one part was the lingerie, and it was in 80, I did it in, I think, in 81, and it came out for the collection in 82. So it was like the corset. I, I must say I have been inspired by, by, of course, my grandmother, but I, something else, you know, musical. I saw a musical in New York. I saw, it was nine and a half, I think, something like about the life of Fellini, that they make a movie only like a few years ago, which was not so good. But the, the play... The play w was excellent, you know, it was in Broadway, and there was one scene where all the women were, like, uh, come on, uh, preparing themselves for the show. And they were and, uh, all in corset, like uh, uh, satin, on salmon color. And I was, like, fascinated by it. I think I enjoyed the show, but I was only thinking about that, I must say. And after it was, like, an obsession, came back the corset of my grandmother, like, I have to do it, but in a dress. It will be a dress. So I did, like, ten different dresses that were long, different, uh, some shorter, and uh, even, like, a jumpsuit, not jumpsuit, overall, you know, which was with always with a conic bra. And I did it like my souvenir of the one of my grandmother, and with the lace-up. Even I can tell you a little anecdote, which is quite funny, is somebody wore it for one uh, uh, party at the palace, you know, which was a club, big club at the epoch, Marie-Christiane Marek. And she wanted to wear that, but she couldn't drink, because I did it truly like a real corset. It means only <laughs> lace up all the back long, you know. She has a jumpsuit the overall like that. So, no drink, because after to go to the toilet, what can she do? She cannot put it back. She has to have somebody with, uh, you know. So it should be in a little too... Too, too naughty. <laughs> you, the title of this exhibition is the idea of going from the street to mm. fashion, from, the, from looking at things that are in the street and turning them into fashion, or is it the other way around? Do you in fact look at the street and you see immediately things that are already fashion? Are you inspired by that? I should say that I have uh, to be honest, I didn't see very clearly by what I was inspired, but it's, uh, it's sure. I don't know if there is a, like a first time. It can be, I think, everything. But I know that I was touched by uh, things that I find beautiful and that were things that coming definitely from the street. Even like maybe, let's say, like why I have also like a kind of, not obsession, but I love to work with denim, you know. Because also, it was not so well seen at that time, because I am born in 52. So it's mean like in 58, there were some boys that have like a d denim trouser, and me, I couldn't because it my parents find that it was not very, uh, come on, elegant or not proper, and it was for like little kind of person, uh, uh, you know, so it was uh, uh, not so nice, it was not so clean, 
No. So me, I fantasy about it. So I, I, anyway, 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 I saw, so after I was looking more, maybe people that were uh, wearing that kind of clothes, with maybe sometimes a motorbike jacket on the movie of Marlon Brando. So all that, that was from the street. But I must say like a rebel part, because I remember it was a time uh, in the 60s, it was a time when there was les, les blouses noirs, the black, uh, we, we call that the blouses noirs. It was some boy from suburb, I, I suppose that was little gangs, you know, which we were supposed not to be, to be bad boy. Maybe, like I was a very polite boy, I was maybe a little fascinated by bad one. <laughs> so it came into my term of, like, fascination, and after movie with, like, uh, uh, James Dean, most of all Marlon Brando, all that which were rebellious clothes, I find that very attractive and very interesting. Because, of course, I was... I should say that I love also, like, in the cinema, like, a uh, lot of other things. In, in cinema was also, like, like, showing also that kind of rebellion of the street. So, for me, maybe it became like uh, those things are in cinema, so they are not that bad. And they are already recognized, uh, even if they show some kind of people that I am not at all part. But, uh, so it's... Uh, I use it maybe after like a vocabulary, and it inspires me to, to show it that. And I love to make, uh, come on, to see which frontier, you know, because in reality, uh, the code of what is decent and decent, what is elegant, not elegant, what is uh, uh, luxurious and not luxurious, are very changing through the time. Well, well, let's talk now about one of the frontiers that you um, broke down. You were one of the first to do. You went into the streets of Paris, but not to the streets that we know that are in front mm. of the Grand Palais, but the streets in Barbès, where there's mm. a, a very mixed community, and in those days, even more so. And that inspired you to do collections. And this was, in a way, breaking a Parisian code, wasn't it? Instead of pretending that these immigrants weren't there, you actually were inspired by their colours, their their clothes, their patterns, and you turned them into your collections. Definitely. I think I was very inspired by what was different, the people that were different always. Maybe it uh, uh, belongs like it's uh, more like psychoanalytic, but because me, I felt a little different by the fact that I was rejected being like a child, you know, a little at school, for example, uh, not uh, doing gymnastics well and not playing football. So maybe I was more touched by people that were like a little different and that I felt it could be uh, rejected. So, but they inspired me also because I didn't know it was another world, you know. So I must say that for inspiration, for example, because clothes very clearly, very uh, come on, early became my attraction and um, let's say my obsession. Uh, I love, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> First of all, I was uh, more attracted like, to dress the people than to dress myself, you know, because I was not my object of desire, <laughs> my own person. So, uh, I, uh, I think that if I looked, cinema could inspire me. People different in the street were inspiring me, not what was fashion, because maybe I f was finding what was doing some couturier at the time that I find very inspiring, Saint Laurent, uh, Pierre Cardin, uh, André Courrèges. Uh, I like the ones that were different and which I style. I mean their own style. I like the ones that, so they were different. So I, they have style, so I love them, you know. So everyone that was quite, with difference, I, I, I love it. And, but I was not uh, um, uh, come on, inspired by the jet set. Because at that time, in the 60s, you know, was a photo I was from them. They were like very 
uh, banal, you know, they were like not like uh, dressing that well. And I find that they were, for example, when I started to work, like some people that were not at all in a couture dress, that were some young girls, that were on, among the young, I find like more, maybe more creativity and more interest in fashion in Paris, I speak. Yeah? Uh, than in, uh, on, uh, for example, than in London. In London, it's a little different because people have, uh, have fun. And uh, the sense of humor makes them like to, to play more with the clothes and with uh, everything. So in Paris, it was this code, what is chic, what is not chic. And uh, what they find, uh, I remember at Jean Patou, when I worked at Jean Patou, the house of Jean Patou, one time I was arriving uh, on, uh, in the studio working and I was with like boots, like it was like, for doing uh, riding boots, you know. And uh, the, the vendeuse, the big vendeuse of couture, to, uh, look at me and say, why, you, your horse is there, you know, but as a reproach, you know, which I think, <laughs> very funny. And, uh, uh, <laughs> but I say, and they were speaking only that beige plus God was beautiful, which can be true, but can be awful too, you know. So there is not like, uh, it's not because that will be beige that it will be the absolute beauty. No, it depends how it's done, how, how it's made, how it looks like, etc. So I was like, those codes were very, like, uh, let's say, uh, killing the French uh, fashion. And I should say France in general, because we are so, like, it's so absolute, like, it has to be like that, you know. Things that I didn't feel, I must say, in London. I think that each time I was going to, I felt really in love with London because I felt like more freedom and it was giving me, when I was going there, you know, it gave me like uh, the, oh, the courage, it sounds a little heavy, but uh, something like, uh, yes, go on to do the thing you feel are good and don't listen to, because it's very conservative in Paris. If, only, is, if only you'd come to San Francisco, I don't yes. what you'd have produced. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So here well, we are. Here is this good little boy who's behaving perfectly and um, is very charming and wonderful and working hard. <laughs> How did you turn into an enfant terrible, a bad boy? <laughs> and tell us about the whole business of putting sexuality on the map, as it were. Mm. You know, that when you go into the exhibition here, mm. it is still faintly shocking to see some of the clothes which are really suggesting a kind of perversity. Mm -hmm. Never, I have to say, against women, which is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. But even so, there are clothes there that they certainly, you see a lot of flesh, you see tattoos mm -hmm. moved into clothing, all sorts of things that must have been completely taboo when you started doing them in the 70s and the early 80s. Uh, I think it was, yes. And, uh, uh, but uh, it was, but to be honest, all the things I did that were supposed to be provocative and maybe that make me called through, I think, more the French, uh, the Enfant Terrible, because maybe the, some of the uh, people, journalists, didn't uh, saw that I was making jokes on your thing like that or provocative thing. It was not as a provocation. I didn't do like uh, my goal is to be known so I have to make something uh, scandalous. No, it was more because of my reflection and also what I was seeing around me. I mean like uh, I was not, people were thinking that I was going out a lot and going on all the party. And, no, I was working, working a lot. But I have eyes on my, my passion is to see. I am a voyeur, complete voyeur. I love to see, I love to, I take image and, uh, you know, I was like educated, I tell you, like through TV, so a lot of movie and a lot, 
image make me react and maybe make me understand also sometimes sometimes in a wrong way sometimes because through image you can have an appearance so i like the trump play also sometimes you know sometimes it's true that you have not to 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 consider that all you see in the image is real that is beautiful because that also can help you to be more creative so what was going around it was the after uh, post rebellion of the woman women's sleep let's say and there was some kind of girl in a group in Paris, which were, were uh, come on, uh, the one at the head of that was Edwige, the queen of the punk. And there was in that group like Farida and Frédéric Lorca, that make me uh, sing, uh, meet Farida. And they were like beautiful girls and dressing up. They loved to dress and they were like quite a very chic and very, uh, um, at that time they were, for example, Edwige was wearing like a, all the Chanel that you find in the flea market, because we were a lot going to a flea market, uh, and a Chanel jacket over a bra, you know, for party and the palace. And me, I was uh, say, feeling all that, my cosetry of my grandmother, and I see them like in a way that it was not, of course, Saint Laurent did already, like uh, before, like uh, see-through transparency and they were smoking, which is a little already, well, that was like, provocative in a way, but it was going uh, well uh, with uh, the time, which, which was like uh, the moment of uh, uh, sexual liberty and like freedom, also because of the hippies of San Francisco, which also have a message of like uh, uh, freedom, you know. Uh, so I, I should say that after that, it was another way of uh, 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 that the girl wanted to be, like I said, like Madonna, uh, come on, to be strong, they could be strong, could be as strong as a man, but also with, like, showing a little of their apparent sexuality. But it, anyway, it didn't mean something, it didn't mean that those girls were, like, very, comment dit-on ça, facile. Uh, yes. Okay. They I were not, it didn't mean that, you know. Easy, I think, would be exactly. a Exactly, that's a perfect it. translation. <laughs> so, that easiness, even like at the time of the, come on, in the 60s with mm. André Courage, when he did, and Marie Kwan, sorry, because who was the first one to do the, the mini? He make mini dress, <laughs> and Marie Kwan mini skirt, no? <laughs> that is. So, but they were in short way. That uh, provocative, enfin, that was provocative for some. This provocation isn't just about the girls, about women feeling their sexuality. It's also about men. I mean, I think yeah. I saw, I've seen all your shows, and I think I saw all Yves Saint Laurent's shows, mm. but I don't remember in the Yves Saint Laurent men's collection a, men, a male model yeah. walking down the runway powdering his nose. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yes. It's maybe uh, me, but maybe because, uh, come on, <coughs> it's true that because Yves Saint Laurent did uh, things that were already very much about the time, and I saw and I was very admiring him, he influenced me, that's that true. He did like big steps, you know, on the vocabulary, so I have an enormous admiration about him, because he was also speaking social, society, which was what was going on in society. So, on me, from, through my grandmother, I was uh, like feeling that uh, through clothes you can say something, definitely. So, Yes, why did I do the men like that, you know? Because I was for egality of sex in reality, because I saw that what was showing, it was the men's phallocrat uh, uh, world, you know, where the women were, uh, in, which in reality were strong, they have to be equal of the men, and, you know, and, you, uh, and I wanted to show it. So my, there was some injustice, like for example, like a, a blazer, a jacket, double-breasted, you know, 
you have inside in the main uh, jacket, you have inside a pocket. It's a pocket for the wallet. And the women have never sat, you know. Why? Because it's the man that pay for the restaurant. But they say, but the women can pay too in the restaurant, no, and invite, you know. So I, I, I think there was like a lot of stupid things, not stupid, but revelating of the mentality of one time that has changed and was changing. And the vision of the woman about the men was changing too. The, some men were uh, uh, not like, uh, uh, come on, uh, accepting, were accepting their part of femininity. It doesn't mean that they were like uh, uh, gay or whatever. No, it means only that they were accepting that a man can be sensible, and they were. And, but they have been traumatized by the education that wanted to make them like, as a John Wayne, you know. Apparently, I don't know. Maybe he was very sensitive in reality. <laughs> to be an actor, you have to be sensitive anyway. <laughs> but like to look like the real macho, like that, you know. So I, I wanted to show first collection I did. For me, it was evident it was the male object. Because I always felt like, not insulted, but I, because I don't consider myself as a woman, but I, I felt insulted for the woman, like to say, uh, you know, there was that uh, expression, be beautiful and shut up, you know, for the woman. You know, like Brigitte Bardot, it was like that. You know, people were, yeah, okay, so be beautiful and shut up, you have nothing to say. And she had a lot to say. She was a very modern woman, you know, very liberated. And I felt that it was, and why? They don't say that to men. Also, there are some that are completely stupid. Maybe some are beautiful, but are, uh, beautiful and shut up also, you know. So is what I, I say, my man, the man that I will, uh, will show will be a male object. Like that, it's balanced a little. So I, <coughs> I don't say that there is only male object. No, not at all. Elise, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I wanted uh, to show that there is also a part of femininity in the man. Like there is a part, if we can, of masculinity in the woman. You, you mentioned in passing just now Farida Kelfer, who, after all, was the beginning of you showing on the runway mm -hmm. uh, models who were not typical of the models of the time. Mm. And I'm sorry to say that it's still true that we see so little diversity on the runways. It's really shameful. And you have always thought that there are different kinds of beauty, certainly different kinds of beauty that come from different countries and origins. Mm -hmm. Will you tell us a little bit about that and how it began for you? I think it began because uh, also of my uh, childhood, because I remember that I was attracted. I was after when I was like, let's say, 12, uh, 11, 12, in a school that was mixed. There were boys and girls. And uh, there was one girl I remember that was coming from, uh, she was a Pinois. I don't know, if you, if you have no expression like that. It means that it was, she was coming from the French, uh, French colony, you know. She was in Algeria and came back to, to France. But she was with a very white skin, very, very white, with uh, uh, sparkles. No, no. <laughs> freckles. Freckles, freckles. The freckles. Is much better. <laughs> glamorous, more glamorous, more glittering. <laughs> but she was, no, but she's glamorous for me, uh, uh, sparkles. No. Freckles. Freckles, sorry, I cannot say. <laughs> but she has like beautiful red hair, you know, beautiful, beautiful red hair, like an Afro type, but red hair. So I was like, oh my God, she's so beautiful and like that. So me, like stupidly, like I say, if I have, that was, yes, it was because I, for me, like if I want to be friend with someone that I admire, I have to be like him or her. So I couldn't have the red hair. So what I say, I say, I come also from Algeria and I am like you, you know. <laughs> but 
I don't know if she believed me, so I was inventing names and like that that I heard at the TV. But uh, bon, I don't know if she get it or what. But uh, anyway, so she influenced me. She was very with a white skin. You could see a vein, you know, through the. So she was very strange but beautiful for me. So that marked me, and always I was attracted by different beauty that I saw everywhere. You know, I, one thing also I remember I saw a movie that was called. Uh, uh, guess who is coming to have dinner tonight, you know, with uh, Sidney Poitier, you know. And uh, I remember that, that I said to my parents, uh, uh, on me, if I arrive, I was 12 also, uh, 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 if I come with a black girl, what, should you, uh, what will you say? And they say, if you love her, that's perfect for you. And years after, when I told them that I was coming, uh, what, what they could say about the fact that I was going with a guy, they said, if you love each other, that's wonderful. So I think I was lucky to have parents like that, that were very modest, but very open-minded. And like, for them, there is no question of religion or uh, color of skin or anything like that. People can be all beautiful and nice, depends on how they are, but it's not a question of colors. So for me, all colors were beautiful. <laughs> and I love to show color, and I love color, color of the skin. Uh, tattoo on the skin, which is a kind of color, some blue that you add, you know, a bit a little like the vein of the red hair uh, uh, girl. Uh, and uh, I, I wanted to show that. So me, when I started, I remember that the models were like nice, beautiful. There were some beautiful girls, but they were all like the Swedish type, which means like very blonde hair and uh, beautiful, you know, but all the same. And I felt like, okay, but there is also beauty. I have a, a, a girlfriend which was modeling, uh, modeling for me after that I met very early when I started ITs, which was from Antilles, a French colony, and she was beautiful and black and uh, very uh, inspiring, very nice. And uh, uh, I say, yes, why not? Uh, uh, why not uh, to show more? There was already Saint Laurent was taking some black girls, you know. But for me, difference was beautiful. So I looked at difference and I wanted to show it. And it was also another kind of difference was the fact that I remarked those group of girls, like Farida Kelfa. When I saw Farida Kelfa, I think, my God, she is like incredible. I was very impressed by her beauty. I was very like frightened even by her beauty, you know, because she was like a kind of very arrogant, very imperial, you know, and uh, uh, African beauty with a very special nose on the expression of her lips, like, like, like a little, like, uh, how do you say that? Not arrog arrogant, like, you know, like, uh, but beautiful. So I, I say I want to, to, uh, to show the, 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 uh, uh, those girls which are different, doesn't know how to... to, to to walk as a model, which is better, because they have their own personality. And even I remember that those years I was asking to the professional model to walk, to see if they were working too much as a professional model, because I didn't want. I wanted to, to tell them, please, walk like you do in the street. But they were not able, some, because they were like, uh, come on, on, like a robot doing their profession, because they were so much, they have no control about about they were working. They learned to do that. So is that the conditionment that I didn't like in reality? And I wanted to show people that have only, like, uh, by their attitude, they were of arriving, some presence that for me was important. I must say that in some way I was a very shy person, but in that I was like, confident in my, in, my, in my choice about the girl. And I love to do it. And I love to, to, to make the casting. For me, it's something. To be honest, I have. Uh, uh, well, it's a reason because myself I'm very specific because 
for me, uh, uh, when I have a boy or a girl, which I have to make the fitting, sometimes it inspires me so much, you know, everything becomes easy to mix the color because of the color of the hair, the, uh, the color of the skin. Everything, it's fabulous for me because I can, uh, I can work and go on on it in the joy and it's, it's a pleasure, you know. Sometimes, some that are beautiful, I must say, but I don't know why, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe the attitude also, the way how to, to stand, to, to, to feel the clothes, uh, it stopped me and I said, I don't know, I don't know what to do, I don't know. And after I realized, maybe I have some difficulty to work uh, with her. It doesn't mean she's not beautiful, she's not nice. It means only that, Sometimes it make me, uh, some make me dream. So, uh, uh, make me dream, make me, oh, make inspire, me. An inspire. Yeah, let's say. Well, one thing that's very interesting in this exhibition is that you've got this section called Urban Jungle. And yeah. at first glance, as you just look through the door and see it, it looks as though it's what you would typically say was taking um, animals and jungle and mm. things from, I suppose, from Africa or perhaps India, uh, with a lot of, of animals in it. And as you get closer to the pieces, you realise that these are actually couture pieces, that it's as though you've tamed the jungle. You've gone in there and you've taken, I mean, I, there's one particular, there is the um, extraordinary leopard dress mm -hmm. that has, and as it's very cleverly done this exhibition, because it actually tells you with the couture pieces how many hours of workmanship were in there, mm -hmm. so I guess when you pay the bill you sort of feel it's justified. <laughs> <laughs> but, this, but this particular one, I think, I tried to memorize it, I think it's 1,032 hours mm -hmm. of handwork and the mm. beading. There are very few designers that I can think of in haute couture who would do something like that. You know, what we've been used to seeing couture very much what I would call salon clothing. In other mm. words, very beautiful and maybe very delicate, but not with this intense animal, vegetable, natural feeling brought into couture. Was doing couture for you something that you wanted to make couture different or did couture, doing couture make you different as a designer? It's difficult to answer to that question by the fact that maybe me, I didn't go to uh, fashion school. I learned through looking what was about fashion in TV. At that time, it was only couturier. It was only the couturiers didn't choose already to wear. Because it was for France, too vulgar. Uh, it was like uh, industrial things. So no, only couture because it's aristocracy. It was a little the spirit of France until end of 80s, and they didn't show at all the prêt-à-porter of the uh, creator of the designer of the 80s. But anyway, so I was seeing that couture, so it made me dream, you know. I didn't know that they were, after I realized that there was also people that were not from couture, but as good as uh, couturier as Kenzo, for example, beginning of 70s, when I saw it, I said, ah, oh, I love it, it's nice, and it's different, and it's very creative with skirts that are incredible. At the time, it was fabulous, Kenzo. So, uh, uh, but I love couture through the way that I was looking at magazines. I must say that my teacher was a journalist that was criticizing or saying, explaining the clothes. And sometimes also, the, let's say, now we call them stylists, you know, which in reality was the editor, uh, and especially one which, which is dead now. Uh, but she was very inspiring. It was one of uh, the magazine Elle, Nicole Crassa, which was a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous uh, uh, editor, you know. She was mixing the clothes, so she was showing something else 
than uh, comment, the, the panoply, like you have that that is matching, like in couture, you know. She was uh, uh, taking an overall, you know, and like putting with high heels and with like jewelry, like very rich jewelry, you know, and it was looking glamorous, you know. So I, I love the decalage she was doing. So I was inspired also by her because it shows me that you are not obliged like to have always like the matching thing. So. But couture, I saw so marvelous things, you know, and it was making me, me dream, you know, uh, that uh, instead uh, in myself, you know, uh, uh, I am sure that I was like supposed to do couture. But at that time, all the, the house have their own designer and there was no place. So when I started, I started as Pret-à-Porter, uh, as a designer of Pret-à-Porter, because also I have no money to open a house of couture, no money at all. So it was uh, more like my family or my mother or, or the concierge that was like uh, sewing and my cousin like knitting. It was more that kind of thing, you know, a little tribute, but very small, you know. So uh, I should say that, uh, but my base was couture. After I did, and in reality, I must say that I did my uh, ready to wear my, my first years as couture, without knowing, you know, uh, realizing it, you know. And I think that, honestly, most of the designers of the, uh, comment, uh, of the 80s, like uh, Thierry Mugler, uh, Claude Montana, Marie Beretta, uh, Asdin Alaya also, is completely doing couture, you know. It's... It's real couture. Only the fact that most of the, 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 on, the clothes are, uh, uh, are manufactured after, but in little series uh, some of the time. Some even were not manufactured, you know. It was like a piece, you know. Some were piece, let's say, of art. I don't like that expression. Sorry, forget it. I didn't say it. <laughs> so, but some were truly like uh, uh, making beautiful things. So I went there, and one time it arrived that uh, Francis Menuge, my partner and boyfriend at the time, told me, maybe it should be good if we, you, you are doing couture collection. I say, why? And uh, like that, why? Because we, we don't need now the couturier part Saint Laurent, you know, they, they don't do, uh, comment, uh, la creation, the creativity, now it's in the prêt-à-porter, in the designer of the prêt-à-porter in the 80s, you know, of the 80s. And he say, yes, but maybe it's good for the, for the, uh, comment, uh, for maybe for perfume, for things like that, and to have also that international passport, let's say. Bon, okay. But, I, but in the deep of myself, I know that I should have loved to make one time, one couture collection like that, you know, like, to me, like, oh, because I was working at Cardin, because I was at Jean Patou, you know, all that, like, like dream of the elegance of Paris, uh, a little retro-minding, yeah, let's say. And I remember that I proposed at the house of Jean Patou, because when Christian Lacroix left, it was a new the last new house of couture, let's say, uh, that uh, arrived when he, when he went away from Jean Patou, I, I thought, like, to propose to Mr. Uh, Demouy, which was the grand, grand new view of Jean Patou, which was dead, uh, why don't you uh, take one designer like Vivian Westwood, Thierry Mugler, Claude Montana, uh, myself, Asdin Alaya, to make one season, one couture collection. It should be good and nice. And he you say, should call up Ben Arno immediately and suggest this for Dior. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Each one uh, make his own collection should not be bad. I think it would be very attractive. It's a good idea. But you know, 
something I want to ask you here, as you don't want to talk about art, we won't say your work is art, let's be really vulgar and talk about money. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because, you know, it's extraordinary what you have produced in couture. Does that make any money? Uh, to be honest, what we produce in couture uh, doesn't uh, uh, make money, but doesn't lose money. Okay, which is very so good. it's even, so, so it's, that is yes. good. And I must say, I'm very proud of that, is the fact that when I started to do couture, so after a lot of stories that maybe I should do uh, a Dior, I don't do it, I didn't do the collection, and I said, okay, so I will do my own uh, collection, I started and never stopped after, because it sells since the first collection. Nicole Kidman co bought one, and one woman bought one, Marinière, done all in lace skirt, you know, which is there in the exhibition, and she uh, bought it for her wedding, you know. So, uh, uh, come on, it starts like, okay, I didn't think to make another one, so I do it one after, and one after, and one after, and I am still doing it now. It's like, it started in uh, uh, 97, so it's more, more than 10 years, like, uh, yeah. Well, I, I asked the question, because, you know, it's very interesting when you talk about uh, uh, Thierry Mugler and Claude mm. Montano and others who marked the um, 1980s and earlier, that, you know, so few are around now, as Dina Lauer is still around in a relatively small way. Mm. And now you're in the situation that your company has now been, the majority shareholding is now with Pooch, mm -hmm. who um, do the, um, the fragrances and have other fashion houses like um, Nina Ricci, for example. Um, is this some sort of a new beginning? Was it important to you to have this? Hermes had the controlling stake beforehand, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it was a changement. Boy. It was a changement because, uh, you know, when uh, come on, uh, I, uh, I went, enfin, Hermès went to my company, uh, it was a moment where it was necessary that we open more, uh, uh, come on, more uh, shops, more boutiques. So we went with Hermès, and it became <laughs> something very funny. It was Mr. Domal, which was there, a fabulous man. And... Uh, we, it went that one moment I did even the collection, which was not scheduled at all. It was not something like about contract or like, it's not because they were in my company, like 45%, that uh, it should, uh, come on, I should do the collection. And I did that because for me it was an adventure. I love that adventure because it was, uh, at the beginning I was su uh, supposed to be like the contrary as an enfant terrible of the established house, very uh, honor and established uh, house of Hermes. But for me, it was kind of challenge, and I love the idea, and I love to do it, you know, because also my training, my training was, uh, uh, when I was at Cardin, I was doing the steel Pierre Cardin, you know, I was doing. So at that time, I didn't have my touch, uh, my Gaultier touch, let's say. So there, when I was with, uh, comment, with Hermes, it was like to make Jean-Paul Gaultier for Hermes. Right. No, sorry to make Hermès through uh, the eyes uh, of Jean-Paul Gaultier. So that was the point. So it was a challenge for me, and very interesting. I love that. But after Mr. Uh, uh, Dumas died, and it was seven years already that uh, our collaboration, so I think it was good like, to, to go in another, because my life was not with uh, uh, Hermès. I have also my own company. So we changed and we went with Push, which is like uh, uh, with the Spanish roots and the perfume roots that uh, sounds very good to my ears and my eyes. <laughs> so I feel very good with it and it's uh, necessary also for, for uh, another challenge. And it's true that I, I love that kind of adventure. I am qu quite a truthful person, you know. I think like, there is different step in my life. It's around like uh, 15 or 20 years each time, you know.
So it's one other step. Is there always going to be a provocative side to Jean-Paul Gaultier? I mean, thinking of the collection that you did when you were inspired by rabbis, I mean, you've told me that so innocently that you were, I believe you were in New York and you saw a whole bunch of rabbis walking down by the New York Public Library, so you turned it into the collection. But you must have known when you did that that this kind of mix was pretty uh, dramatic and alarming to many people. I should say that uh, in some way, uh, I think that I, I have a kind of, let's say, innocence in myself, like uh, that is the enfant, not terrible uh, part of me, you know, uh, which in the way that when I believe, when I think it's, uh, when it's beautiful, I believe in it. So I saw it was beautiful. I wanted to show it because and for me, it was so strong, the impression when I saw them, it was aesthetically beautiful and with a lot of meaning for me. It was meaning like, for example, people that are like, let's say, a minority, can, uh, come on, when they are all together, as they are strong, as impact, at the same time, visually and spiritually. So, I wanted to show that beauty that I, uh, I felt. So after my, my, my uh, come on, my goal was to, to show the beauty that I felt, and I should say, make a parallel by the fact that uh, I, what I felt when I saw them is that, uh, uh, come on, uh, uh, for example, Jewish have been like rejected, like I have been rejected, me from other reasons. Uh, and uh, when you have all them, uh, so there is some people that to be integrated, they change themselves, they hide themselves. And I think that me, I was lucky because I have not to hide myself, like the fact that my sensibility was different and my sexuality was different. I was lucky of that, you know. So I could express because I went into fashion and in fashion there is a lot of gay and etc. So I didn't suffer of that. But some suffer of it. So I think that every minority which, uh, come on, uh, suffers there is in, in those that they are ashamed and they don't say they are. And I felt that it's good like when you, you shouldn't have to, to, to be ashamed and to uh, uh, come on, hide yourself, you know. And I think it needs courage, uh, uh, I am sure, for a lot of people, you know. But you have to show and to be proud of what you, you are. So in that collection, the rabbin, it was that also, because they have been rejected and some maybe they hide, they don't say, and because it's like some, some taboo about uh, like religion, and, uh, you know, it's that. So it's like if you are... Uh, come on, all together on showing who you are, you will be uh, uh, accepted on people. We will find everything normal. I remember one movie which was very beautiful. It's Pain et Chocolat. It's an it, uh, uh, Italian movie, very beautiful from the 70s, which show one, uh, come on, one guy which is Italian and he goes to work in, uh, uh, in Switzerland. And he's not integrated at all, you know. And what does he do? He bleaches hair in blonde to be integrated, to, to, to look like if he was uh, sw from Switzerland, you know. And one time there is a, a football game, you know, and he's there in a, t in a coffee shop, and he's there looking with all the other men. And one moment, it's Italy against Switzerland. And one time, the Italian uh, uh, win, you know, and he make like, wow, like that, you know. And there, everybody look at him, like, discovering that he must be Italian, you know. And there, I find that beautiful at the same time, very emotional and beautiful. And him, he make, he, he, comment dit-on, trahir, he 
he betrayed himself through that reaction. And I think at the same time it was beautiful, but at the same time I say, why? It says that you have to change your, your, your color hair, even if I did. It was not too far hiding. It, <laughs> or maybe, no, it was like to kept more the light when I did it. <laughs> but, uh, come on, it, uh, that you have to do something like that to re deny even your origin. You have to be proud of your origin well, and to show me, it. You're giving me a challenge or yourself a challenge here because how is your interest in punk? Think of the punk hair. That's yeah. not exactly something to hide behind, is it? It's so out there. And yet, you know, punk has been quite an important part yeah. of your collections. Why? I should say because I have been very marked by, the, by uh, that movement, let's say, like, uh, uh, which was rebellious, of course. So it's in that that fashion and our, our profession is not like a, a disons, artistic uh, creation, absolute, you know. It's part of what's happening in society. Of course, punk movement was very important. There was Edwige, the glamorous queen of the punk, I mean, like, already taken by the society in some way, let's say. Not a real punk, punk, punk. But I must say that when I was going to London, I loved that, like, you know, that expression through the air, through the uh, security pins, through everything, all the looks that were absolutely fabulous. I loved that. At the same time, I was fascinated. It was, I was not part of that. Honestly, I was not part of that, but as a uh, 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 voyeur that I am, I was like there, I was at the same time scared and fascinated, you know, and I love them, you know, I love, uh, well, I was interested in the music and etc. and I love the work of Vivian Westwood and uh, Husband. Uh, is, uh, yes, uh, Andre. Uh, yeah, and, uh, no, uh, ex-husband, the one, uh, um, Marco McLaren, oh, uh, sorry, 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 I, I, and uh, so I uh, love their work because they did something, but they, they took also something that was happening a rebellion time. And I love England and London especially for that mix of like so conservative with a, uh, with a baller art still and with having a sound which is punk. I love that. So it's influenced me. For example, in London I saw like some little uh, boys that were in a, in a black trench coat, you know. And in France you say, no, black is not for children, black is not, no, no. black is bad, black is, well, bon. all that kind of theory which is uh, ridiculous. So I felt more confident with them or more close to them. I must say that London for me was uh, like a, a vitamin that I was taking because I felt like more at home there, yes. I but loved you know, it. But you know, London has changed as every city has changed. Yeah. And you certainly won't get any of those hated bankers wearing bowler hats with umbrellas. They'd be frightened of getting lynched by the public. <laughs> but more to the point, you know, London now is tremendously diverse. Paris is becoming, is showing, admitting that it's a more diverse city. And I'm very struck in the exhibition. There's a little line from you there, quite hidden away, that says I'm something like I'm, I'm very much a Parisian or I'm interested in Parisian women, but I'm not quite sure that I've ever really met a Parisian woman. What do you mean? by that? What I mean is like I am, uh, yeah, is that my education I've been like looking through couture, uh, uh, movies, old movies which I love uh, from uh, French movies, uh, which speaks about a Parisian and the reputation of the Parisian which was supposed to dress very well. I regret there is, there is some, but very few. Uh, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, in France, uh, come on, the eccentricity, maybe for me, because for me, 
Uh, eccentricity is very chic, and is what I love. Uh, so the eccentricity—it's too much about the bon ton and the good taste, you know, which paralyzes, which makes that is dying uh, of that, you know. So it's still the city where everybody meets for fashion, for fashion show. But uh, it's sad, but uh, you don't see only maybe in the young uh, people, but you don't see after when people are on the rail, let's say, in the society, like uh, working on, uh, like having so fun and so joy to dress, you know, it's like you have not to be too much uh, re remarkable, you know, you have to be a little like the color of the street of Paris, you have to uh, be a passe-murai, you know, <laughs> you have to see, see through, you have not to be remarked. It's very much in the minding of, uh, of the people. So I felt a little like it's like, uh, uh, no, we have to be like every, uh, everyone else. In London, it was completely different. It was. And it's still, it's, it's still like more kind of uh, uh, distance and humor that makes that, uh, for me, they are more fascinating and, uh, than French, maybe more exotic also. Um, we're coming to the end because we want to take, collections, uh, take questions from the audience, but I did just want to ask you a quick question about your work in movies, mm. because that has been so extraordinary and exceptional, and I think probably a lot of people even, you know, I know you've been to the Academy of Arts with all the students today, but I, I really wonder how many people in this audience really know how involved you have been in the performing arts, doing costumes. Um, tell us, is it with Pedro Almodovar? With whom has it been that you felt the most extraordinary experience? Ah, alors, I should say, bon, I, alors, the different experiences are, uh, by order, I think maybe first Pedro Almodovar, and very close after, uh, I went with Peter Greenaway, which is an English, like, architect at the base, uh, uh, which is very talented, uh, Luc Besson, Luc Besson for the fifth element, and uh, also by uh, Caro and Genet for the City of the Lost Children, the one that did Amélie Poulain, you know, uh, and Amodovar three times, you know. I must say one thing uh, is that I was very lucky because uh, all those people I admire for their own world, you know, their own one very specific style, which is great, you know, so they were different. For me, it was a fabulous experience because to work with them was to, um, uh, was to get into their story and to see and to see also and to see a little of how they are working and how definite they are. I, I would tell you, for example, one that it's uh, Besson, Luc Besson. In, in, in the real life, let's say, not in the movie uh, life, it's somebody that maybe uh, uh, he doesn't dress that well, he has not so much sense of fashion, he has no, well, he's not interested too much into that. But when it becomes to the movie, first he will explain you your movie is fabulous because he convinces you by telling you the story of his movie, he's so much into it, and visually so much into it, you know. He gets like very... Uh, uh, very upset on the, about his personage and he can already imagine how he should like it to be. So to collaborate with them is very beautiful because you can see how much intense it can be and how the, uh, the movie becomes a word, you know. Uh, same with uh, come on, uh, uh, Almodovar, which is very specific and sometimes, okay, he, ne he needs maybe me a little for some of the clothes, but some he doesn't need me because he knows so specifically. I want, for example, the, uh, the apron of the maid uh, from uh, the apron from Valencia from the 60s. 
the apron from Valencia for the 60s. Okay, so I have to go to the uh, flea market and maybe I will find one with the help because I don't know exactly how is the apron of the maid of Valencia in the 60s. But you mean also the kitschy one, the one of the not a maid, no, housewife, sorry, not a maid. So it's, it's more abstract, let's say. So, but he's very specific in the color and the things that he wants. But he's absolutely uh, inspiring and fabulous to go into the story. Greenaway, him, it was very different. I saw him only two times. Uh, and what was the movie? It was The Cook, The Thief, oh, the, yeah. yeah, that one, which was for, uh, with Ellen Mirren, which was absolutely gorgeous and fabulous, a great, uh, uh, fabulous actress. And uh, I saw him, and him, he told me, show me some, uh, come on, uh, uh, some painting of Rembrandt, like that in a book, and saying, you see that? Could you do that in modern, in, in today? I said, I will try. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but th that's part of the job. That's, that's fabulous. No, it's great. So, okay, so I tried. But after I have, uh, like, uh, it was an artistic director, which was Dutch, that was working with him, and I get uh, a lot, uh, uh, come on, uh, to work with him, and he was very, him, all the color of the set, he was very specific and uh, fabulous man, truly. Uh, after, bon, for Besson, I told you, alors, oh, oh, those who, but all those persons, person, you know, as also uh, Genet and Caro, were very specific about the color. Very, very, very. And in, in reality, why they ask me is because they find my color also, were also a little like in their spirit. We went from, I don't know if it is same generation or what, but it's uh, something in common. We had something in common. I was flattered to do that. But it's beautiful to see how much they are, like uh, how works it's demand to make a beautiful movie. Our works on, in, I, I shouldn't be able to do one movie. Truly that I realized easily. I never thought about it. But when people ask me sometime after, I say, no, it's impossible. It's so much, you have to be so much clever. Well, Tom Ford made a movie. It? Yeah, fabulous. Uh, so, fabulous. Why, why not you? Ah, but no, because I am not, uh, my, my brain is not that sharp. <laughs> not that uh, clever. You know, I like very more, no one thing at, at one time. So there, it's so many things already for fashion. You have so, to think about so many things. But truly, it's a big work. And so, so nervously, you have to be strong, you know what I mean? Because, like, you have to take care also of the psychology of the actor, which is like, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> you can be depressed. You get all, I will feel all the depression of everybody. So I don't want. It's enough of my own. Well, Jean-Paul, I hope your brain is sharp enough to answer some of the questions that have been put through there. Because I rather like the Academy Awards, you know. <laughs> so these questions have come through and on various um, means. And so can we have the first question? Well, the first question is actually I'm going to compile a group. It's a lot of people are asking what is your... Current, what's currently inspiring you from different cultures, the internet, um, textile design? Um, what, are you, what exciting things are you seeing in contemporary textile design? And so just what's, and what are you reading? And what I am? Reading. Reading. Uh, definitely that's very sad, but I read, I have not enough time to read. That's a very sad part. So I am not enough reading, but I start. Getting older now, I, I get closer. Now that nobody is no more reading, <laughs> I, will, I will read. No, it's my kind of rebellion. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, honestly, that, that is a question of time. But reading, 
bring inspiration. But that's the problem. Because I get into a book and I say, oh my God, I can make one collection there. Schlack. After like three lines. So sometimes the uh, <laughs> book is good. So oh, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but it can be. Of course, you know what? I read like, for example, one time I did like the Existentialist collection years ago. And there, I was thinking the existentialist because I saw Juliette Greco and I heard about, uh, of course, Jean-Paul Sartre, etc. So I read after the book, like to know more, you know, to get into it. You know, it's like uh, in some way, like to do a movie, like to, to feel and to know what's happened. And sometimes, like the explanation can give you, for example, the Dadaist. Dadaist. I read about uh, Dadaist and I learned and I understood. But so after, I didn't do like a collection literally like patch of Dadaist. No, I did it with décolleté, things like that, my interpretation. Because uh, I try to understand the, the base, I mean like the concept, more than the effect. So, so it's good. So you have to, uh, to read, definitely. Creativity is always, creativity is so difficult to define by creative people because you yeah. just do it instinctively. Yeah. Now you were yeah. telling me that last night something inspired you and you went back and you drew your next collection until 4 a.m. What mm. inspired you? Do you know what set it off? I think, I think it's a succession of images sometimes. Some, uh, all ones that you don't expect at all. All the surprise can be all the surprise. It was not the case uh, uh, um, uh, yesterday. It was yesterday, it's, uh, uh, during the night, it was more like image that I have seen, I received little by that, and I didn't know how to tra treat it. And I suppose I saw some things that making uh, me think about it yesterday night. And after it came, and I wake up, and instantly it came like, oh, yes, I could use it like that and do it also in fire, and da 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 da, da. <laughs> So I wrote that not to, uh, to remember, and, like, uh, and after I was into it, and like trying to... So it's very exciting. I should say it's the best moment when you uh, do that, because it's like, yes, I, I find it. Because always you are looking for something you don't know what in reality. So sometimes it becomes more concrete, and it gives you... I need to have that, let's say, colon vertebral, you know, uh, that makes you that after you have that direction and you go on and work on it. It's a real pleasure. It's like to try to interpret in the best way uh, from, from that idea. So it can be ethnic. It can be uh, sometimes ethnic. Sometimes also like uh, overseeing some uh, things uh, in fashion that you say, oh, reaction against that. can be that too. can be somebody walking, moving, putting her uh, hand in a way where there is no pocket, but it should have been a pocket, so that, mm -hmm. uh, so that you see the desire or what should be good uh, for it. You know, it's looking at, looking uh, to eat f uh, food. Food is uh, visual for me. Uh, can, can you, out of all that, just think of one single example of something that you saw, I don't know, a green leaf or a, a something on the internet or something mm. in a movie, something that directly inspired you, so that you were almost drawing a minute later from it. Uh, I think it was uh, years ago uh, when I did my uh, Cyrillic Constructivist collection. I saw a book. It's uh, one of my assistants. Uh, she was like a graphic assistant, and she had a book with her, 
so already she did like a show it's incredible because I was there and I was like loving everything but you know it's like it's like a physical reaction it's like if I want to eat it you know it's like uh, yeah because it, maybe it makes me think about food I don't know it was coffee plus vanilla plus I don't know what but it was truly like uh, beautiful colors and also constructive is that I didn't know you know I know some things like that that I didn't even know it was constructivist you know and I saw it so beautiful. The book was so perfect that I wanted to have it all. So I make photocopy of all the and photos of all the book, and I wanted to have all around me, like to 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 get into it and to see through that, you know. So it was. Uh, so, so so that is one uh, one thing. Another thing. No, no, one is enough. One is one enough. Is enough. Wait, well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 to be honest, internet no. You know what? Because there is too much selection. I like the part of, uh, come on, of uh, emotion, which I mean like surprise. I go somewhere, I go somewhere, and I find that that I didn't expect. Is there that I have the real shock? I mean, like, I say, oh, I have my reaction, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's happened late. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But uh, so what I do in that case, I will not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might lead to the next question. What scares you? What? What, what scares, scares you? Frightens you. Uh, what scares me? Uh, <laughs> maybe not to be more in love with my work. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Because it's a passion. Yeah. <laughs> so for the moment the passion doesn't stop. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you mean you're scared that there might be one day, I'm sure it will never happen, when you don't have that energy anymore. That's, that's, no. yes. Well, I You're think not scared of a piece of blank paper and the collection yeah. coming up in six weeks and, oh, my God, what am I going to do? That doesn't scare you? Mm, yes, but I, I try to, uh, come on, to protege, protect myself. Like, uh, uh, for example, you know, I go to, uh, to flea market, I go to antique place, I go to... When I see some things that, you know, I find interesting, even if I have no, it doesn't serve to anything for the moment, I say, mm, 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 one day I will uh, do something from that because I know that there is something to work on it, you know. So maybe it's not so for the time. So I have a lot now, I have too much. I think I have to burn it because at the end, I take too much time to look at it. <laughs> so, but it's good. Uh, but yes, no, I mean, like, to be honest, I think the time I will realize that maybe I have no more the passion. And, uh, uh, so it will mean uh, uh, I, I, I will stop. I think it's better because why to lie? You know, it's like uh, I've been honest. You know, honestly, since the time I, before I was doing that profession, I was lying because I was not maybe happy the fact that I was rejected. So I was saying big lies. I was inventing that I was from Algeria. For, <laughs> I was inventing a lot of things. You know, at the moment I started to work at Pierre Cardin, I said finish. I cannot, I cannot lie anymore because I have to, to say the truth because I, 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 I don't, uh, why? Because I do the things that I love to do and why should I lie now? I, there is no reason to lie, you know, because I am accepted through my uh, work, so why should I lie? So I don't want to lie again in my old days, you know. So <laughs> if I am not in love anymore, voila, that's it, and it's very nice. But I will be always interested in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and the next question is for both of you. What do you think it's, how is it in the fashion world for larger size women? Sorry, sorry, how it's? How is it, um, how, does it, how is it in the fashion world for larger size women? 
Well, I'm going to answer this first. I was so happy when Beth Ditto um, appeared in one of Jean-Paul's collections because I don't know if you all know Beth Ditto, but she's a terrific um, woman and she is quite rotund in um, size. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't quite caught up with her yet, but I certainly am no thick little stick. And... I personally think that one of the things that Jean-Paul should be admired for is not to bring the tyranny of fashion to women. He has, as he's explained, done a lot for diversity in terms of diversity of type, skin type, but also diversity of style and shape. And I think that that was a reason for a round of applause for Jean-Paul. <laughs> <laughs> But there is one diversity also which is important, is age. And that I should explain, explain uh, uh, only it because, you know, in fashion it's very terrible because there is always like the racism about age, you know. Like there is, uh, uh, yeah, one of the racism there is in fashion, which I absolutely against. But how could I be against age when I have a grandmother that let me do everything I wanted and like give me optimism, positivity. So it's beautiful. I think like people that are old have experience and you can learn a lot from them and they are maybe sometimes more, more sweet than the, the, the grandparents are more sweeter than the, grand, uh, than the parents. No, I was there. <laughs> but they let you do everything you want. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> so no, I think it's uh, age also is something important that, that we have to see. You know, because I remember I, I wanted to do one time one collection only with old person, you know. And there is some journalist that told me, don't do that because we don't like to see uh, uh, ourselves like, projecting as old. And true, I didn't do it. I put some, some time, you know, I, I didn't listen. But for the moment, I didn't yet, because I, you know, I have to do a casting special, but very specific, which what I want to show through that, the beauty through the edge, which there is, you know. But so I will do it one time. <laughs> Maybe the, it will be my last collection, that one. <laughs> I will be part of the show, and I will, I will, I will walk. <laughs> And your final question, and it comes from um, a Twitter question. Um, what advice do you have for young artists and designers to be successful in a world with so much co competition and talent? I, it's difficult to give advice because, uh, did I add advice uh, when I started? I don't know. I know I have only my passion. So what I can say is that, is like, if truly they love fashion, if they want to do uh, uh, their profession with fashion, if they see only that, at that point they do on whatever they will do. They will find solution. Because the thing in fashion is like to be r right up with the moment, with the society, with the desire, with what people need, and to understand also uh, how are going also economically because of course now we are in a moment where economically and with the cries there is a lot of things and things cannot go now there is it's sure a lot of uh, uh, people a lot of competition there is even like sometimes like more clothes than people to wear it you know so it's reality so knowing all that you have to take decision and you have to, uh, no you have to have like a vision about it and to to find solution about it and to propose the right thing. So the ones that think, I want to do it and, uh, uh, and to do the right thing for, the, uh, for now, uh, they will do it. So only courage and love what you do 
and uh, it's a marvelous uh, 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 work. I must say that me, I am lucky because I did that work that I loved, and doing it, I love it even more. You know, it permits me like to be accepted and loved. Mm -hmm. So if you receive love, you can give love. Yay. <laughs> we can't really have a more beautiful ending than that, but I'm going to, I'm going to use my, my um, chance just to ask one last question. Jean-Paul Gaultier, do you believe that you have marked fashion history? <laughs> uh, it's difficult to say. Is it my purpose to mark? <laughs> is it my purpose? I don't know. I think that uh, everybody is marking fashion history in a way. You know, I mean, uh, as much as journalists, because they, they show to people what is fashion history. It's part of still here. Some old clothes. Some uh, come on. Uh, that you can find maybe in the flea market, antique shop, in the museum, books, magazine, newspaper. I think that uh, I am part of that. But to think that me, I marked, I don't think so. And it's not exactly my purpose. In reality, it's very selfish to do what you love, you know, the most important thing. Well, I'm glad I managed more or less to silence you with my question. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to say that I believe you have marked fashion history in the best way by creating clothes which are, have been a mirror to society as it changed and as it happened, and that you will be known for that as much as for the beauty of the clothes. And thank you so much for giving the chance to talk to you. Thank you.